Welcome to MDCast by Tampa General Hospital, a go-to listening location for specialized physician-to-physician content and a valuable learning tool for world-class healthcare. Bariatric endoscopies are now a primary tool for surgeons when it comes to morbid obesity. So today we are discussing the surgery, where the intervention fits as an option in the continuum of obesity care, and looking toward the future of endoscopic therapies with Dr. Ali Abbas, an assistant professor of medicine and the surgery director of bariatric endoscopy at the University of South Florida. Welcome to the Tampa Generally Speaking podcast, a go-to listening location for specialized physician-to-physician content and a valuable tool and a valuable learning tool for world-class healthcare. I'm your host, Caitlin White. Now, doctor, to start us off, can you tell us about how you select patients for medical, endoscopic, and surgical interventions? What is that process based on? All right. Thank you for this question. So basically, the process is through multidisciplinary evaluation. In our team, uh, we have a medical bariatrician, surgical bariatrician, a bariatric surgeon, and, and we have endoscopic bariatrician, which is myself. And we basically going to evaluate the patient and the anatomy. Some of the patients have native anatomy. That's to say they have no history of bariatric surgery or other kind of uh, proximal GI surgeries. And others will have prior surgeries. Um, So based on their current anatomy, their options will differ. In addition to that, based on their current comorbidities, the extra weight can cause a lot of issues, health issues, and some of the interventions are tailored towards more metabolic effect. For example, uh, for diabetic people, for diabetic patients, we prefer small bowel interventions um, to help them with the glucose control and improvement of their diabetes and their medication use, in addition to improve their weight. So it is a little bit complex. It's not like one-size-fits-all situation. The old-fashioned way of looking at the bariatric surgery, it is one and done, and there is probably a couple of options for everyone to choose from. Nowadays, we have multiple options and multiple serial interventions that we can use to improve and then even further improve on the outcomes that we achieved from the first intervention. And I will take this question to explain more what is bariatric endoscopy because this is a a new field that has been evolving, I will say, over the last probably 10 to 15 years Okay. compared to the other options that we have in terms of the weight loss interventions that we can offer. This is the newest available option. So bariatric endoscopy is a field that evolved to bridge the gap between two extremes of care. The first extreme is medical or lifestyle weight management, which is basically dieting and exercising, in addition to few FDA-approved appetite suppressants. All of these options are non-invasive, they are very safe, but in terms of efficacy, they are very limited. With a range of 5% to probably 8% total body weight loss, On the other side, there are the well-established, very effective surgical options, which are the other extreme of the care. People who have high BMI 
or multiple comorbidities are eligible for bariatric surgeries. These are effective in terms of more than 50% total body weight loss on average, in addition to being invasive. You know, basically, they are surgical options. In between of these two options, for many, many years, we had no viable option until most recently bariatric endoscopy emerged to bridge this gap in the continuum of the care. The best analogy that we use is the care for coronary artery disease or atherosclerosis. On one side, you have medication uh, like beta blockers or any other medication to lower the blood pressure and improve the cardiac function. On the other side, the surgical side, there is the uh, cabbage, which is coronary artery bypass graft. Uh, but not everyone who is coronary artery disease eligible for surgery. So in between, there is something called cardiac stents. Interventional cardiologists are able to open up the blood vessels with minimally invasive approach through the blood vessel lumen itself by placing a stent. And that established the continuum of care for the blood vessel disease, for the coronary artery disease, for the atherosclerosis. The same process is applicable for bariatric endoscopy. We have a continuum of care. Obesity is a chronic disease. On one hand, we have medication and lifestyle. In the middle, we have endoscopic intervention. And at the end, for those who require a lot of weight loss, we have the surgical options. Well, with this option being newer, like you said, what are some complications you run into with endoscopic interventions? So the endoscopic interventions are inherently very safe. It is basically natural orifice intervention. That's, that means it's done through the mouth, endoscopic interventions, and that includes balloon placement, suturing the stomach from inside to restrict the size, and also for the revisional interventions for people who have bypass, who had bypass previously or had a sleeve gastrectomy previously, we can tighten their pouch or their gastric lumen to make them smaller and uh, produce more portion control. So the fact that we're using a natural office, it means that we are not using any skin incision we're not creating our artificial orifice to access that area. So in terms of complication, it is very minimal. Uh, overall, less than 1% of uh, issues or complications or adverse events, and most of them are mild to moderate. Pain is expected, uh, usually lasts for a couple of days, just like an abdominal cramping pain. There's no skin incision, there's no skin pain or wound infection or wound pain or wound drainage. There is nausea and vomiting can happen up to 48 hours. And there's risk of bleeding, which is usually less than 1% and usually either self-controlled, self-limited, or easily controlled by endoscopic intervention. So overall, it is very safe interventions. I will say over the last 20 years when these interventions have been involved worldwide, there's very few cases of serious issues that have emerged extremely rare. And that's to say it's related to the anesthesia most likely rather than to the intervention itself. Now, shifting to more logistics, are these therapies covered by insurance? At this moment, 
The FDA approved these interventions, such as the balloons and also the aspire assist. And the endoscopic suture is approved for tissue approximation and and it will be hopefully approved for obesity management. The insurance are usually lagging in terms of their approval. We expect that this will be the standard of care and easily approved over the next few years. But at this moment, it requires uh, special authorization. Our practice is able to navigate through this process and so far for revisional interventions for those who had gastric bypass or received gastrectomy and require endoscopic revision, we have been able to secure authorization and approval from the insurance. For primary interventions such as balloons and sleeve gastroplasty, suturing of the stomach from inside, it is on selective cases and uh, require extensive discussion with the insurance to secure the coverage. But hopefully over the next few years with more data and more trials are being published, this should be a streamlined process. Well, as we close out our conversation here on bariatric endoscopies, doctor, what is the referral process like for patients who are interested? So the referral process is very simple. First of all, simple data that was kind of, I would say, an eye-opener for me when I read this article. Only 1% of those eligible for surgery actually getting the surgery. So there is a really impressive, you know, I'll say scale of under-referral, under-recognition, and avoidance in terms of addressing the excess weight issue. This could be stemming from the cultural difficulty or the sensitivity of this topic when discussing with patients and also the basically the cultural sense that this is an issue with the will or personal issue uh, rather than chronic health condition that can lead to serious medical uh, consequences. So the easiest way to refer is to identify people who have excess weight. It doesn't have to be of a surgical BMI. I will say anything beyond 27 or 29 in terms of BMI with comorbidities or anything beyond 35 without comorbidities. This personnel will be referred to the bariatric center and through USF and TGH and they will be triaged. So we basically took away the burden of thinking what is the bariatric option that these patients are eligible for. The referring physician, the primary care should not be thinking about that. The, uh, all what we ask is basically to identify these people and start the discussion of intervention that is tailored toward weight loss and its benefit, and then refer them to the office, and then we will be triaging them through a multidisciplinary pathway uh, until we discuss with them and, and basically choose the right option that will serve them the most. So to summarize, early recognition, early referral, you just basically have to refer to the bariatric weight loss to the weight loss center, and then we will figure out what option will be appropriate for them. Dr. Abbas, thank you so much for this discussion today and for all that you do here at USF. Thank you for listening to MDCast by Tampa General Hospital, which is available on all major streaming services for free. To collect your CME, please click on the link in the description. 
for other CME opportunities, including live webinars, on-demand videos, and local events offered to you by Tampa General Hospital, please visit cme.tgh.org. And thank you.